Great. Well, what's going to be happening tonight is I know um, probably some of you will um, uh, open the Bible and think, um, i just got to get this done. This is my, my quiet time. This is what I do. I read the Bible. I have some notes. Um, tick it off. Pray onto the things that you're going to be doing that, that day. Um, or you may think, actually, I want to just read through the whole Bible, but I read a chunk of uh, the Bible and it... A lot of this just washes over me. Um, I'm not quite sure how to really get into it, to understand it, to apply it to my life. Or maybe I just need a, a big commentary or something, but I haven't got time for that. So um, those are sort of issues we're going to try and help you with over these coming few weeks by looking at different types of writing from the Bible. And um, this evening we're going to be looking at Psalm 62 as an example of poetry. So it would be good if we can just read that um, to start with, as we start our time of worship, then we'll have a time of, um, of, of sung worship, and then I'll take over from there. But if you've got a Bible handy, turn to Psalm 62, and this is what we'll be focusing on this evening. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock, and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down, this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken. Two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. Well, let's pray as we come to the Lord. Father God, we thank you that you are indeed a powerful God, you are a loving God. And we thank you that our souls can find rest in you. That our salvation comes from you. Our salvation depends on you. Lord, we do pray this evening as we look at this psalm, we won't only just um, uh, be reminded of all your goodness towards us, how much we depend on you, but we'd also grow in our confidence in your word, that we would uh, grow in our desire to want to open up your word and read it, and uh, that it would make us uh, come alive with love for you, that we would have a greater understanding of uh, how we should live in this uh, troubled world. Lord, we thank you ultimately as we come to you this evening with all our different uh, 
issues and struggles and joys that uh, in you we find rest. You are our refuge. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right, well, I hope the uh, technology is going to work tonight because um, this is obviously something new. And uh, you can open your Bibles, but a lot of it's going to appear on the screen in front of you, so uh, it's up to you. We're going to be working through this together. Um, as I said, we're going to be looking at different types of um, writings over the next few weeks. And um, uh, within the Bible, there are different types of writing. There's narrative, straightforward narrative stories, which can be quite easy to understand, but um, often sometimes difficult to relate to to our own lives, um, particularly some of the Old Testament stories. There's the prophecy. Um, again, quite hard because there's all these different types of imagery. Um, it will vary depending on whether it's Old Testament prophecy or New Testament uh, apocalyptic um, uh, writing. Um, some of your wisdom literature, and we've been looking at that certainly recently on Sunday mornings, looking at Ecclesiastes, which is an example of, of wisdom literature. Some are letters, which are quite short, um, well-structured, but contain really dense um, theology in them. Um, but this evening we're going to start with poetry, and uh, where better to look than the Psalms? Now, of course, within the Psalms there are also different types of, um, of writing. So you have, for example, um, songs of praise uh, and thanksgiving, thanking God for who he is and what he's done. Um, we'll have psalms of lament, where the psalmist cries out in, uh, in despair, opens his heart to God, um, maybe due to attacks by enemies or, or sickness or loneliness or anxiety, all sorts of different issues. Um, there are penitential psalms, psalms um, of confession, confession of sin. Royal psalms. Uh, the focus on the King of Israel, but actually point forward to the, the true King, King, King Jesus. Wisdom Psalms, um, that instruct in a, in a way of life pleasing to God. And then finally songs of ascent, uh, or pilgrimage, um, as the people of God went up to Jerusalem and sang together. So some are individual, some are, are communal, um, for different purposes. But they're also often quite difficult to categorize because um, within one psalm there could be a number of these different types of writing as we'll see in a minute. But before we do that, what are the benefits of reading the psalms? Um, a couple of things I want to mention here. One is understanding. Um, as it says here, we learn about God as the only true king of the universe, someone who's consistent in character, active in world affairs, and who engages with his people. But we also experience the Psalms because they're, you know, they're prayers so we can um, learn what we are truly like before God. Uh, we can learn what it means to pray. We can express our feelings uh, to God, uh, feelings of joy, confidence, but also despair and frustration. And we can learn how to respond when faced with different struggles as we see how the Psalmist responds in his different situations. So one of the great things about the Psalms is you learn a lot about yourself. This is um, a quote uh, here from Athanasius from the uh, 4th century. We read it um, elsewhere in the Bible. You read only that the Lord commands this or that to be done. You listen to the prophets to learn about the Saviour's coming. Or you turn to the historical books to learn the doings of the kings and the holy men. But in the Psalms, besides all these things, you learn about yourself. You find depicted in it all the movements of your soul, all its changes, its ups and downs, its failures and recoveries. 
Moreover, whatever your particular need or trouble, from this same book you can select a form of words to fit it so that you don't merely hear and then pass on, but learn the way to remedy your ill. Well, let's see if that's going to be true for us uh, this evening. Um, reading the Psalms. How do we go about reading the Psalms? I've got some um, some suggestions here for how to actually tackle it. And the first one is check who the author is and the context. Quite often the top of the Psalm, as we'll see here in Psalm 62, it says um, who the author is and what it's for. So here we see the, um, the, uh, the author is David. David wrote, as you're probably aware, a lot of the Psalms partly because he was a, a talented musician and songwriter, um, but also because he was somebody who experienced many difficult times during his life. As we've been seeing in 1 Samuel, he had to wait many years before he became king, spent many years as, a, as an innocent fugitive on the run, and uh, his life was a, a danger. And yet through all that, he, he grew in maturity. He grew in his love for God, um, grew in his confidence in God, and, um, and this psalm tracks uh, some, some of that progress, for example. So it was written by David, it was written for the director of music, for Jaduthan, however you pronounce that. Um, so there's, there's, uh, it was written as a song with a rhythm to it. Um, but where do we go from there? We've established who the author is, where do we go there? I think the first thing that is a good thing to do is just read through the whole thing. Get a feel for it, get a feel for the flow, the structure, and the different types of writing within the psalm. And then come back to it in more detail. So let's do that now with Psalm 62. What happens when we read this? Well, the first few, first two verses, um, what is going on there? Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. That is a, a declaration, isn't it, of praise. It's a declaration of who God is and what the psalmist can do in relation to him. But then what happens with this little section here, it's very changes very quickly, doesn't it? How long will you, will you assault me? Often a, a lament begins with those words. How long, O oh God, is a calling out to God? How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. Within their mouths, with their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. We carry on. And now it changes a little bit. We've got similar words to the first uh, um, verse. But now you notice it's changed a little bit. It's no longer a declaration now. It's actually an exhortation. Um, it's an exhortation to himself. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. In case you're worrying where to find rest, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Then we have another declaration of praise. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I shall not be shaken. Again, a repetition of verse, uh, of verse 2. And that carries on um, into uh, the next uh, part of the, the psalm with my salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. So again, a declaration of praise. And then it changes again. This time we have another exhortation, don't we? It's, a, it's trust in him. But this time it's not to himself. He's saying it to the people. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. 
And then it changes again. That's, that's the, uh, the exhortation to others. But then it changes again, doesn't it? And now we have some words of wisdom. These are sort of words you'd find in um, the Proverbs, for example. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods, though your riches increase. Do not set your heart on them. And then we have a sort of conclusion that wraps it up. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. So that gives an idea of the flow and the structure. We've read through it. What do we do next? Let's um, see. Let's we've read through it. Now we've read through it all together. Read through it slowly, as it says here, being sensitive to the imagery, the language, the relationship between the different verses. Take your time and just go through it um, a verse at a time. So what do we see first? Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Now poetry um, often has these little couplets. One line states something um, and then the next states it again but in a slightly different way just building on the on the first one. So these two go together and it would appear that salvation and uh, one's soul finding rest in God are somehow linked. There's something that they, they have in common. Salvation comes up in the next verse. It comes up further down. Um, so it seems to be an important theme that's standing out as we read through this, this psalm. But as we go into verse 2, now we have two different images come up. He's my rock and he's my fortress. A rock is something that can't be shaken, can it? Um, it's something that will stand um, uh, Whatever they're the weather, a rock will stand firm. A fortress is something will stand against an attack. So it gives a sense of safety, security, rock and fortress. David, of course, um, needed physical safety, needed security. Saul was, was after him, he's hunting him down for his life. So he would often hide in a cave, he would hide, take refuge in a rock. But he knew his real safety came from, came from God. And that's the beauty of poetry. Because um, instead of saying, in God, I feel safe and secure, to say, God is my rock, God is my fortress, they're much more powerful images, aren't they? And when you read descriptions of God like that, it might just help just to stop and pause and think, how is God a rock in my life? How is God a fortress in my life? Well, these verses are repeated um, down below in verse 5 uh, and 6. So they're saying the same thing, but slightly slightly differently. And then they're elaborated on in, in verse 7 and 8, as we'll see in a minute. But when we see um, verse 5, it's slightly differently, isn't it? It's slightly different, isn't it? What, um, because it's got a different word now. Instead of my salvation comes from him, my hope comes from him. So it appears that hope and salvation... Are somehow linked and part of what it means to find rest in God. We have the images of a rock and fortress and repeated. 
And then as we go over the page, we find a new image. Now we have my mighty rock, and we also have my refuge. Again, somewhere where you can go and feel secure. So the key theme is coming out now, isn't it? It's finding rest for one's soul, and that is linked to salvation, it's linked to hope, it's linked to security. So do you see how we're beginning to now make sense of a bit of, of, of the psalm? Well, let's go back to um, verse 3 again. Um, because now we have this, this gear shift from, from verse 2. We've had that declaration of praise. And now we have the lament. And notice the great sort of poetic contrast here. We've read about God as a rock and a fortress. Um, and those two verses were all about God. They, God, him, he is my rock, he is my fortress. But now we have a leaning wall. We've got a, a tottering fence. Very different from God, aren't they? Um, these verses are all about David. And so it talks, how long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. And so it becomes clear why the psalmist in those verse two verses needed to reaffirm the strength and the security of God. Because his own human situation is very weak, is vulnerable. God is the rock. He is the tottering fence. Now I guess the, the next question is, well, what are the reasons for the psalmist's praise or what in this case are the reasons that th- threaten his well-being? So let's look at what exactly he says. Why does he feel weak? Well, he has a lot of enemies, doesn't he? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. He says, would all of you, how long will you assault me? How long would all of you throw me down? These are the people who, what are they doing? They're slandering him at the end of the day, aren't they? They may be people who invent lies. They may be those who spread them. They may be those who laugh at them or just believe in the lies. And the worst thing is that publicly, with their mouths, um, they bless. But in their hearts, they curse. And slander is a terrible thing to experience, isn't it? It's why one of their Ten Commandments is, you shall not give false testimony your neighbour. Now, at this point, um, you might be making connections with your own life. Um, reading a psalm is not a sort of academic exercise. We don't have to follow a rigid structure um, in terms of first working out an understanding and then somehow applying it to our life. We're actually experiencing, we're feeling it as we read it. It will prompt emotions and we'll make connections. Can we relate to, to David's um, position do we feel like a leaning wall or a tottering fence if we do we're we're right there aren't we if we don't then we'll probably remember a time when we did feel like that maybe we're preparing ourselves for a time in the future when we will feel like that now if you read this and you're going through a situation where you're being treated unjustly maybe you're being slandered um, you're going to be able to relate to this very easily. Maybe you've been deceived or betrayed. Um, 
being let down by someone you trust is the worst kind of attack, isn't it, really, that you can experience? Because then your friend you trusted and you can't go to with your problems. But of course you can go to God. So the idea of the, the psalm, the poetry, is we feel it. We feel the injustice. And it sort of prompts that righteous anger in us. Now, if your reason for feeling as if you're about to topple, um, you're a leaning fence, but it's not because of other people, it's because of something else. Well, in a sense, that doesn't matter. There's still stuff in this psalm that you can take from it. Um, Because the answer will still be the same. To trust in God as your rock and your fortress. Maybe you share that same sense of impatience as David. And he's crying out, how long? You know, this attack appears to have been going on for a long time. How long will you assault me? That cry of desperation we hear in many of the Psalms. Well, where does David go with the lament? Question six. What is the psalmist exhorting himself or others to do? Because remember, this is a journey that he's going on. Well, what he does next is he says to himself, my soul, in verse 5, find rest in God. And then as he finds rest in God, as he realizes how God is strong, he's there for him, he's able to exhort others to do the same. And so trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Now, in some ways, the psalm could have finished there, couldn't it? That would have been a nice, neat ending. Surely God is our refuge. But it carries on. So why are these extra words still here? Why are there some words of wisdom? What is the purpose of these uh, verses, verse 9 and 10? Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Well, what it seems to be doing as we read these things is um, justifying why we should put our trust in God and why we should not allow these other people with their lies and their slander to cause us to fall. It's like here's some practical help. For when you might be tempted to to allow their lies to affect you. And the way he does this, the the psalmist, is by saying, whoever these people are, whether they're the highborn, they're the lowborn, the wealthy or the poor, they are nothing. And again, the poetic image is powerful, isn't it? You know, they are a breath. Think of the power of a hurricane. And then a breath. And that is the difference between God. And these people, they are not worth bothering with. And the psalmist says, um, in case you are thinking of putting your trust in something else, something other than God, then, then don't. Do not trust in extortion. Don't put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. When people are lying against us, and they're seeming to succeed as a result of it, the devil may be, whisper, may be whispering, why don't you just do the same? Look, it's done them no harm. They're benefiting from it. And this is where the, the conclusion comes, because it's, uh, it says, one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. God 
is the only one who's powerful, is the only one who's truly loving, the only one worth putting your trust in. And he will reward everyone according to what they have done. In other words, these guys seem to be profiting from their lies, their extortion, um, but they will get their just reward for that. And it won't be pretty. Your reward comes from putting your trust in God. Responding in the way he wants you to. And your reward is your salvation. Your reward is your rest for your soul. So do you see, we've been taking along a bit of a journey here, haven't we? It's um, the journey that David went along himself. He was tempted by all these other ways. He could have responded. But he responded in the right way. And we can learn from that. Well, having gone through this, this process then of uh, reading it carefully, um, what do we do now? We bring it together. Bring it all together. Um, and we have to remember that when we read Old Testament passages, whatever genre they are, whether they're poetry or narrative or whatever, we're reading them through the lens of the New Testament. We're in a different position now to that in which David was when he wrote this psalm. David didn't know how God would achieve salvation for his people. He had hope in a future Messiah, um, but didn't know where, when, who he would be, how that would happen. So how does that change how we read the Psalms then? How does it point to Christ? Well, what does salvation mean? Um, It means we have been saved from our sin, from the penalty that we deserve. It means we are being saved from the effects of sin on our lives. It means we will be saved one day from the prospect of an eternity without God. So what are those images then of God convey in sense of salvation? If God is a rock and a fortress, a refuge, what is the link there with our salvation? Well, our salvation is secure, it's saying, isn't it? God will keep his promises about our salvation. Because he's a rock. He doesn't move. We can trust him. And that is where the hope and the rest come from. Because even if we're not spared the troubles in this life, and uh, many of us won't be, we will be spared them in the life to come. It's also great to think that our salvation uh, doesn't depend on us. We are just a tottering fence. Um, but as it says up here in verse 7, my salvation and my honour depend on God he is my mighty rock my refuge so finally then what can you learn from the psalmist's example what do you do with that psalm after you've read it you've really just grappled with it you've meditated on it what do you do with it well you've worked out what the key message is to trust in God to say that my salvation depends on him, it doesn't depend on, on myself, it doesn't depend on circumstances, um, on a change of heart, my enemies, on my medication, it depends solely on God. He's the only one who can do anything about my situation. And I trust that he will. The psalmist, though, found rest in God. And in the final two verses of the psalm, what does he do? He He turns from the testimony, he turns from the exhortation to others, and he turns to address God himself. He says, power belongs to you, God. With you, Lord, is unfailing love. You reward everyone 
according to what they have done. And so he turns to prayer. And that is um, what we should do when we've read through a passage, whatever it is, um, but particularly a psalm, which in many ways is a prayer. But um, to pray in what we've been reading is the best way to finish that time with God. And we're going to do that now. Um, it be good to just do that in, in small groups. Um, just think of the words we've been looking at. Um, have that psalm open in front of you, if you like. And let's just turn to God in prayer. How do you pray to God, having heard those um, statements of praise about him, having heard David's testimony, having heard that wisdom? Turn that to prayer now and direct that to God himself. So let's pray in small groups. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this evening, got something out of it. Um, we're going to carry on next week with a different uh, type of writing. Um, but let's pray now as we go from here in God's strength. Father God, we do thank you that our souls do find rest in you. Thank you that our salvation in our, and our honour don't depend on ourselves but on you, that you are our mighty rock and our refuge. And we do pray as we go from here this week that um, we would um, be reminded of that truth throughout um, the week, that whatever may uh, happen that may cause us to feel like a, a tottering wall at times, that we can find refuge in you, we can find strength in you, and you will give us that hope that we need. In Jesus' name, amen.